everyone. It's uh, David Barnett from davidcbarnett.com, the blog site, YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play podcast, where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized enterprises. Today, I'm joined by Stephen King, who comes to us from Growth Force. And Stephen, we're going to be talking today about collections and billing and other kinds of things that that are really important for businesses to survive during this COVID recession. I've had quite a few talks actually over the last few weeks with people talking about cash flow forecasts and, and, and this type of thing. And so I really thought it was a great opportunity uh, to get you to come on board to talk about this element, you know, about helping get the money into the business. Um, before we get into that discussion though, why don't we give, uh, give you a few minutes to give us a little bit of your background you can let us know a little bit about how you came to be in the position you are today, helping uh, small and medium-sized enterprises. Great. Well, thanks, David. Um, so I'm the CEO and uh, president CEO of Growth Force. We are an outsourced bookkeeping, accounting, and controller service for companies that use QuickBooks or Xero and NetSuite. And what we, we, we focus on is management accounting and helping you be able to make decisions from your accounting department, data-driven decisions to increase profits, improve cash flow, and reduce your risk. And I'm, I've been a CPA for 35 years. This is my sixth recession as we're entering into as a CPA serving small businesses and nonprofits. And um, I came to, to this point through, I was at Ernst & Young where I was a manager of accounting system design and then left there after seven years that I loved. And I started my own CPA firm and I hated it. It was horrible. I had a human capital problem. I, I couldn't find trained people to do the bookkeeping so that my, my client's books were clean so I could be that trusted advisor. And so I had this idea to, to uh, offer this as a service. And then in 1995, when Netscape 1.0 came out, I started a company called Virtual Growth. We raised 43 million from venture capital funding and uh, built the first uh, web-based outsourced accounting department. And we've been doing that ever since in different forms, um, focusing on increasing profits and improving cash flow. So for nonprofits and for profits. So it's, it's, it's pretty fun. Uh, I mean, that's an incredible journey. I mean, you know, becoming a part of the, the online accounting revolution back when first thing, things first got up and running and, and this new technology became accessible to everyone. I think though, to begin with the question that everyone wants to know, is what is it like sharing a name with a famous author? <laughs> well, normally, um, every single day of my life, usually at lunchtime, when I would go to a restaurant and say, you know, uh, a reservation for Stephen King, I'm like, are you the author? I was like, no, I'll bet you get asked that all the time. And my standard answer is it's the first time today. So this is kind of an early morning ask. Um, but yeah, it's, it could be worse. I could be, you know, Richard Nixon, right? I could be somebody who's infamous for a bad reason. So, uh, but thanks for asking. I'm, I like to say I'm a horror. I take the horror out of QuickBooks, right? Instead of, uh, writing real books. There you go. So, so we, we understand that, that having some money in the bank is the key to survival. So it's a cash flow management, understanding, you know, when the money's coming in, when it's going out, et cetera. One of the key components of that for many businesses who invoice their clients is to actually collect on those invoices that have been sent out already. Mm -hmm. And so this can be a real challenge for some people um, because, of course, the people you're trying to get money out of are your customers who, in many instances, you worked really hard to try to get their business. And now, you know, instead of, 
you know, trying to please them through, through the sales process and delivering what they want. Now you have to kind of be a little bit annoying and, and keep touching base with them to ask them to give you the money. What kinds of things can people do to make that collection process a little easier or maybe more effective? So we actually did a study of this. I got to be an Inc. 500 uh, featured speaker for a couple of years. And you know, to come up with something that was meaningful for that audience, we, uh, I put a, an NYU graduate student at the uh, business library in New York City for six months studying the best practices of cash flow and cash management of the Fortune 1000. And one of the, one of the best practices really struck out at me. Most business owners, they make the first phone call to collect on a, on a receivable 30 days after it's due, right? So you send an invoice out and then it's due net 30 and then somewhere around 32, 35, 40 days, you pick up the phone and say, hey, I see your past due, can you pay us? And, and, and it's an annoying call. And, and it's also delegated to somebody who doesn't want to do it, right? It's the, yeah. it's the office manager, the, the project manager, the, recept, you know, the, the, the uh, bookkeeper in the accounting department who the last thing anybody wants to do is pick up the call phone and try and separate somebody from their money. And so what we have done is we have turned it completely backwards. I'll use a story. We have a client, Chief Outsiders is their name. They're an outsourced chief marketing officer. And they, they we, you know, we started with them when, when Art Saxby uh, lost his job and started this new business and needed QuickBooks set up. And he knew he wanted management accounting and he didn't, he got his first client. He didn't want to use Microsoft Word to send the invoice out. So he hired us as a project. And for the last eight years, we've grown with him to 62 CMOs now. And one of the things that he loves the most is our collections process. Hmm. We suggest that the very first call should be before you start doing any work you make it a customer service call. So when Chief Outsider sends out a proposal, it's got an onboarding process. And step one, when you welcome, welcome you to Chief Outsiders after you sign the contract, the first call is going to be from our accounting department, Growth Force. And somebody on my team calls up and says, hi, David, it's, it's Kyle. Uh, congratulations on joining the Chief Outsiders family. Um, I, uh, my job here is to help kind of go through the contract and talk about how do we make it easy for you to pay the bill. Right. So you ask a series of questions about how do they pay bills before you start doing any work while they're still in love with you, right? Mm -hmm. you, you just signed the marriage contract. You're about to get into the honeymoon phase. So, and what Art says is, you know, I, I was a little worried about you guys calling my clients at first, but now it makes us look so professional. Mm. We pick up the phone and the first thing you get is, so tell me, your bill is due on the 15th of the month. So who has to approve that bill before it gets paid? What kind of supporting documentation do we need to attach to that so that it can, it can be easy for them to approve that bill? What format would you like that bill? Do you, do you want copies of receipts? Is the email okay? Do you have a Dropbox that you prefer? And, and, and then what are the steps to pay that bill? Do you pay bills by check? Do you pay by ACH? Do you, you know, credit card? So it's, it's, you know, in a lot of the, a lot of the time when we're talking about business stuff, we're talking about setting expectations and what you're doing is you're trying to set your own expectation as to what the process is over there so that right. you're not caught off guard when something doesn't go correctly. I can't tell you how many times I've heard the story of a business sending an invoice to a customer 
only to realize after it was overdue that it was emailed to the wrong person who never forwarded it to the correct party. Right. Exactly. And, you know? and, and, and then what we do is we have a, if you're, depending on which accounting system you're using, you know, QuickBooks Online has got integrations with lots of tools. And, and the one of the favorite receivables management tools is one called Funding Gates. And what that does is it actually lets you, puts up a screen that says, okay, on the 15th of the month, we were supposed to get paid by this client and the money's not in the bank because it's all automated. So you should call them today on the 15th of the month and say, hi, David, um, it's Kyle again. Um, you know, I saw that the payment wasn't in there today. Just make sure, is, 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 are you happy? Is, is everything okay? Because the Fortune 1000 study said is the best run companies turn that collections call into a customer service call. You're mm -hmm. gonna find more about what's broken in your service delivery model when you're trying to separate money from somebody's wallet. And they're gonna tell you what all the problems are. And if you then use that as a way to um, fix whatever has happened, you're showing them that you're serious about getting paid and you won't have the problem you just suggested, which is I sent an email to the wrong person. Yeah. Oh, makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So if somebody hasn't done that preparation work, if they've got a growing number of receivables out there, what, what kind of angle or tactics should somebody be approaching this with, given the light that we're now in a bit of a crisis? Yeah, I think, I think you've got to make sure that the person who's doing the collections call has some basic training. Hmm. You know, just like when you train a salesperson, they understand what the objections are for your sale before they come up so that you're ready to overcome that objection when it happens, right? You know, you know, if somebody says you're too expensive or, uh, you know, you're remote and I'm worried about remote, you know what the answer is before the person even gave you the answer. You want to do the same thing on a collections call. Mm -hmm. there, are, there are three things that we train our people who are doing the collections. They need to be focused, they need to be firm, and they need to be friendly. Friendly is, you know, you get more with honey than you do with vinegar, right? People like to do business with people they like. So you want to create that connection with them and, you know, find out about their kids or whatever it is that connects you so that you're a person, not a company. People do, people buy from people, not from right. businesses. You want to be firm. On every call, you need to get a commitment to a payment or a, or a date for the next step. So right now, what we're seeing is a lot of clients are saying, so, so you know, well, the, the third, let me finish the third first. And then you want to be focused. You need to understand that objection. And the, there's three objections that we're seeing right now in this kind of recessionary period that we're entering into. One is the check is in the mail. Like classic, uh, you know, uh, uh, objection of, of, of 100 years. Today, avoidance. Avoidance. Huh? It's just avoiding, avoiding the issue, trying to, trying to dodge you. Let me get you off the phone. Don't worry, I got it. Yep, we're on it. So today now, um, you can make a deposit without having the physical check. Right. If you're using QuickBooks, you got Intuit Payment Solutions, you literally can go in now and just say, okay, great, thank you so much. I'd like to just let me know what's the check number, the date, and the amount, and then your banking information. I can make that deposit right now. So this way, I don't have to wait till it comes out. And what that's going to do is going to tell you, did they really write a check? Oh, I don't, I don't have that handy. No problem. I'll wait. You're the bookkeeper. You're the accountant. You have the check. And, and the 
So the first thing you want to do is be ready when they say that check is in the mail to get the details so you can make that deposit. The second one is I can pay you half. Right now, we're trying to hold on to our cash and I, I'm, I'm, I'm able to, to pay everybody a little bit. No problem. Great. Thank you. Get the money in my bank account, right? That's, that's what this is about, make your own liquidity. So then you've got to be firm. Okay, great. When can we talk again about the other half that you owe us? And not get off the phone until you've made that appointment. You've got mm -hmm. it on their calendar. Okay, great. When are we talking about this? Two weeks? Three weeks? One week? And make sure that you don't end the call without that date scheduled. But the one that you're, the thing is the, the biggest challenge right now is when they can't pay you anything. Right. And so, so what we're suggesting to our clients when they, and we see, we're seeing this, where they say, you know, I, I just, we're holding on to our cash. We've got to keep, we got to use this to pay the people so that we can still generate revenue and keep our company alive. And then I'll be able to pay you down the road. So then what we suggest there is you say, no problem. We now accept credit cards. And this is the time to get a merchant account. You know, I, 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 we work with service businesses and nonprofits. And a lot of professional service businesses will say to me, you know, engineers and architects and marketing firms are like, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't pay, uh, we don't want to pay the 3.5% uh, fee off the top. And what most business owners don't understand is that their cost of collections is way greater than a 3.5% cost to get the money in the bank account right away. Yeah. I, I've, I've often said to business owners that, you know, those merchant discount fees with the credit card companies, the credit card companies earn that fee by reducing your receivables outstanding. That's, it should make your collections become accelerated. Um, and, and so I understand your point, get, get 90, you know, six and a half percent or 97% of the money in today, even if it costs you that little bit, because if you, I mean, waiting too long for that money could end up costing, costing the business. I mean, if things get bad enough, hundred percent, there are, there are two kinds of customers that businesses often have the sort of one-off transactional kind of customer you know, someone who, who buys a piece of machinery from you or, or something or gets some service work done and they're not a regular customer. And then the other, you know, sort of situation is where you have an ongoing relationship with that customer and you're regularly invoicing them. In that case, the receivable you hold to that business is literally your money invested in their business. Mm -hmm. At what point do you have to start thinking about whether it's wise to be investing in that business? When, when do you make that decision where it's time to cut someone off and no longer be willing to provide any more service while they owe you money or to even cut off the, the trade credit altogether? I think that's a really great way of looking at it. And I, I strongly agree. The best practice in cash management is you need to get paid before or as close to the time that you have to pay the payroll on your job as possible. And, and that's why we always recommend a deposit up front, right? Mm. You got to get, why do people say I need 50% up front? Because you want to get the money that you've got to pay to the materials and the, and the payroll costs all out of the way so that no matter what happens, you're still at least break even. The, the, um, the, co the, the collections process starts with the credit policy. 
right? Now is the time to review your credit policy and to make sure that your terms reflect the increased risks that you have. You know, I've got a, I've actually got a letter here that we got from one of our clients' clients. I, I, I have it handy, actually, not knowing we're going to talk about this because it's so valuable. This client, you know, we're doing the, the, the bill payment for this client, and one of their vendors sent this letter saying, effective March 27th, we'll be implementing the following temporary credit policy. All customers will be required to make 100% deposit on orders below 5000 And if you're greater than 5,000, you have to make at least 50% provided that you've passed a credit check. Mm. Because they recognize that if you are extending credit, if you're doing work before you get paid, you're a bank. Yeah. You're, you're lending them money. Absolutely. It, you know, and, and this is a lot of new entrepreneurs or people who've, who've gotten into business for the first time. Um, one of my cautions to them, in particularly in times when things are getting a little bit rough, is to be wary of the sudden new customer who wants to do a lot of business with you. Because somebody could be showing up saying, yeah, you know what, you called on us last year, now we're ready to move forward with your service. What you may not be understanding is they've just been cut off from the people they used to buy from. Wow. And it's so critical to have some kind of credit policy in place um, I've learned that if you go looking for people to make an application for credit and you ask them for backup documents, the people who know they're in a bad situation won't end up completing your application process. Right. They'll, they'll sort of disqualify themselves, won't they? Yeah. And what, the worst thing you can do, again, this is my sixth recession. I completely agree with you, David. A lot of inexperienced business owners are like, I need to get whatever work I can get to be able to keep my people alive. Mm -hmm. What happens is, if you let your clients' cash flow problems become your cash flow problems, you're going to have a certain death. It's just a downward spiral. All you've done is postpone it. And so on the credit side, what we recommend is, first, you have the deposit. What, what, what do you need to get up front? And, and the smaller the amount, the bigger the deposit, because you don't want to spend expensive labor costs chasing $1,000. Right. It can cost you a thousand. If you only made 50% profit on that thousand dollars, it can cost you $500 of somebody's time. You know, if they don't pay you for 90 days, the second thing is you want to make sure that you have late fees in mm -hmm. your invoice. Why? The goal is not to earn yourself some interest income. The goal is to get your bill at the top of the pile. Any good controller is going to pay off the credit card at 19% interest gets paid first. And then you look at all the other bills and say, okay, we recommend 18% interest, 1.5% per month on the invoice, on the terms. And you, your goal is not, you know, if they pick up the phone and say, look, I'm going to pay your bill, but I'm not paying this late fees. Okay, no problem. I'll waive those late fees because this is the first time we've had this issue together. You don't want the 18%. You want to get paid first. Right. And then the third and probably the most important right now is to make sure that your terms and conditions include who's going to pay the attorney fees if you have to go to court hmm. because there's going to be a lot of ugly conversations. And what you find is, and I've had a lot of experience with this. When you find is when you pick up the phone and say, look, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to take it to small claims court and we're going to win unless you go bankrupt and we're going to win because we delivered the services that you signed a contract for. And then you're going to pay my attorney fees and you're going to pay your attorney fees. And so we can avoid all this by just agreeing to a repayment schedule now. And that works. 
but you have to have that in your terms and conditions. The other, the other big thing in terms of, you know, how do you, I'm a data junkie, right? I, we like to make data-driven decisions. I like to look at day's sales outstanding, mm -hmm. your, D, your DSO. That's the one number that tells you how many days does it collect, does it take you to collect on a dollar of sales? And by, you know, the, the magic here is because, you know, with Xero and QuickBooks and NetSuite and any of the small business accounting systems now, you now have the ability to automate the entire billing and collections process. So you don't have to, you know, have this labor process. You can automate the, the whole thing. I'm a big fan of Intuit Payment Solutions because, you know, the, the DSO is how many days does it take you to collect on a, on a, on a dollar? The normal DSO is like 30 days, right? Mm. That's net 30. You're gonna, people are going to pay you, you know, at the end of 30. What we have found is when you automate it, you can drop this down to, we've seen this drop down to 14 days. So yeah. how do you do that? You, you, you sign up with Intuit Payment Solutions. And I don't get anything paid from these guys. I've just watched how it's changed our bookkeeping model and improved our cash flow for our clients. You, you have the ability to send an email that says, pay now. And they can type in, hit the pay now button, type in their credit card. And then it automates the, the collections process because you've, you've now got the merchant account paying it. And it actually applies that payment against the outstanding receivable because it's all synced with QuickBooks. So it knows that the cu which customer owed you the money. And when you get the payment, it automatically says, here's this payment for that invoice. So you've automated the billing, the collections, and the cash application. So all the bookkeeping costs go away. It gives you more that? information more quickly that you can actually use in, in running your business and making these decisions. At lower cost yeah. right? and, and save money. But what it does too is it improves the cash flow because what happens is it can automate the process of sending out the invoice. So if, because it's all synced inside QuickBooks, Intuit Payment knows the customer was sent an email on Monday and they didn't pay. So it'll automatically send another email the following Monday. And what we have found is that the customer looks at this and says, oh, I'm going to get an email every single Monday. Let me just get rid of this right now because it, uh, it's one less email that I'm going to get. So when they get the second email, they pay the bill. Yeah. So now you're collecting on 14 days. And we've got a whole blog on DSO and how to automate the billing and collections. The last thing I'll mention on this is, now is a great time. If you've got your accountants and your bookkeepers who are not busy because your, your business isn't busy, have them study the billing and collections process. How many days does it take from, the from when the work gets done to when the invoice gets into the customer's hand? Most small businesses do billing at the end of the month. Why? Because it's easier. It's a batch process. I can get all the information. I can spend two full days getting it all done. And now it's I block out that time and it gets done. But what happens is if, if you do your billing, as soon as you finish the work, your whole cash flow model changes. Yeah, well, you, you would cut your DSO by 14 days because yeah. on average, I mean, you could do work on the second for someone if you're not mailing out the bill until the 30th and then it says net 30 that you've given those people, you know, 58 days before they even become late. And yeah, uh, these, these are things that, that I, I've, I've seen a lot as well, you know, over the years with different business people that I've worked with. Um, I'd like to talk, though, about, about the double squeeze that can happen uh, in an economy like this. 
And that's, you know, for a lot of business people, if they've always shown a lot of receivables on their balance sheet, they'll sometimes get into uh, their banking relationship. They'll get a line of credit, which is partially secured against those receivables. And if they've never had a problem collecting before, the bank might be advancing quite a high percentage of those receivables in their line of credit. When we get into a recessionary economy, banks start to get more skittish. Mm-hmm. And their idea of how much your receivables are worth can start to change. Mm-hmm. So I've experienced before in the last great recession where people had a 75% receivables line of credit that suddenly got cut to, got cut to 60 or to 50%. And so the bank didn't trust them as much with their collection process. And you know, I would argue that instead of relying on the bank giving you credit for your receivables, it's better just to have the cash in your bank account, you know, collect those receivables and get the money in the door. hundred percent. I mean, it depends on the industry and the terms of the industry. You know, we do, we've got a, a, a big pipeline services company here. We do project-based service businesses primarily, and they have, you know, Halliburton and Weatherford and KKR as these big giant clients and they pay net 45. What, the number one cause of, of cash flow problems is not the fact that the client pays net 45. It's that you're not pricing your jobs right in order to cover your overhead and generate a profit because it's the profits that create the free cash flow. Hmm. And so we were able to go in there and look at, we do you know, automated job costing and see what the labor costs are for each project and see you're not getting the 20% margins you think you're getting because you got all this time leakage. You've got this burden rate that you didn't factor in in your, in your labor costs, you know, cost you 28% of your salary to pay for health insurance and taxes. And so what we were able to do there is they were using a factor to pay payroll and the factors are even worse than the banks, right? They're, they're going to be all over your skin if there's, you know, one day late on a receivable and now they call the question. By, by focusing on the collections process and getting the money into your bank, that's the first. I agree with that completely, but I think one that's often missed is people not really understanding those above the line costs, what it really costs them to deliver their services, what their true gross profit percentage is. And that's why they have cash flow problems. Yeah. It's the key is the gross margin, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you can you can examine your overheads and you can look for ways to snip ten dollars off your phone bill, but if you don't have the right margin in your you know what you're charging, you won't have enough money to work with, period. No matter what. No matter what. And what's really interesting is most people think their biggest client is their best client. They're looking at top line revenue. What they need to be looking at is profit growth. The number one most important data point on any business to me is gross profit percentage. It's why on Shark Tank, right, they're always asking you, what do you sell it for? And how much does it cost to make fully landed? Because they're doing the math. What's my gross profit percentage? Right. And the the ability to, you know, the the this that's the, the, the thing that we find has the biggest impact is search for time leakage. Time that you're, you know, service businesses hire servants, right? I'm a servant. I love serving small businesses with bookkeeping, accounting, and accounting systems. What, my, what I found, though, is over the years is servants get a dopamine charge from giving away service. <laughs> so they just want to make the client happy. They don't want to deal with the billing. So by figuring out what you're not getting paid for, then you have an ability to increase that margin without having a hard conversation with the client. It's like, hey, here's the out-of-scope work. Here's what we need to do. I can either take that off of the table and stay within scope, or I can 
increase our fees to give this extra stuff that you've asked me for, yeah. or I need to transition to somebody else. And that's changed cash flow and profits on all of our clients, that one conversation. Well, you know, Stephen, amazing conversation. I'm, I'm glad you were able to join me today. We have to wrap things up. I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind letting uh, my viewers and listeners know how they can reach you if they want to uh, find out some more about you and about uh, Growth Force Online. Sure. Growthforce.com, G-R-O-W-T-H, force.com is our website. We've got a, a resources tab that has all kinds of mechanicals that we've got to cal help you with calculators on uh, KPI, key performance indicators, and cash flow forecasters. And the, the, in the United States, the PPP calculator, how much will be a grant, how much will be a loan. Um, we're, uh, break even analysis is another thing we're doing right now. What if you lose 10% of your revenue? What if you lose 20%? What do you do? And um, I'm on LinkedIn. It's Stephen with a PH, King CPA, or uh, Twitter, S King G Force. And then my email is Stephen, S T E P H E N, at growthforce.com. And we've got a podcast, Put Your Numbers to Work, where we share. Uh, the ways to implement all these best practices. Awesome, Stephen. Thank you so much for joining us today. And um, for, for any of you listeners, um, you know, this has been a great conversation. Um, buying a business or, you know, you know, getting across the line and, and buying a business that you want to buy is one thing. It, learning how to manage it and make sure that you always make money and that you're going to help build something of even greater value you might sell yourself one day is critical. And so that's why I wanted to have Stephen on, and especially for my listeners who are in business today uh, who may be struggling under the current economic conditions. Uh, I want to help you guys as much as possible. So thanks, Stephen, and, um, and have a great day. Thanks, David.